Welcome to your Truth Reveal podcast, helping you experience empowered healing. I'm Erica Marku, and with a master's in counseling psychology, I share with you the power of self-knowledge. I interview helping professionals to explore your hidden physical and mental health potential. This episode is titled Know Your PTSD with mental health occupational therapist and former Marine, Manny Marrero. It's the second part of our discussion. He was called to fight in the war in Iraq and returned home with crippling PTSD. He received help and transformed. Now he assists others in moving through their similar struggles. We as a society can start to understand that every human has their battle that they're fighting. And if we show kindness and empathy towards one another, we can start to live more in unison as a community instead of a fragmented society. Manny received his master's degree in occupational therapy from Bay Path University in Massachusetts. He's currently an MBA candidate at Boston University's Questrom School of Business. He is a mental health occupational therapist at Cape Cod Healthcare and a yoga instructor. Listen as Manny and I acknowledge the dangerous effects of war and how healing is possible. Your mom, your earliest role model, didn't show you self-care. We learn more from our parents about how they care or don't care about themselves. There was no model for that. This was I would assume, brand new territory for you. Yes. And uh, thank you for picking up on that. You're right. There was no frame of reference. It was no model of self-care. I learned on my own as an adult. Luckily, at an age where I was relatively young, I was about 26 at the time. I'm about 38 now. That's really encouraging for people to hear that no matter where they are in life, that they can heal and overcome that. Yes. I went from failing out of community college to graduating at the top of my class in undergrad in a very challenging science-based field, kinesiology, being able to thrive in the classroom, ask for help if I needed to, which I had too much pride to not ask for help before. Then into my master's program for occupational therapy, where I was scared. I'm applying for grad school. And my wonderful wife, who's so supportive, says, you got this. Mm -hmm. You're here. You're doing it. And graduated at the top of my class for occupational therapy, master's. And now I'm working on my MBA at Boston University, one of the top colleges in the world. And it can be done. But it all started with self-care with compassion and kindness toward myself, starting to heal from within, my world around me started to heal as well. Sometimes we underestimate how much of an impact we make. Your friends, your family, they notice. Now I have friends reaching out to me if they're struggling. And thank Um, goodness your partner at that pivotal point was educated enough in her psychology classes to be able to see it in you and to be able to name it. I think there's something so important about being able to name that you have PTSD because then you can begin to work on it. But when it's not named and there's no self-awareness around it, it can, I imagine, be confusing and feel like despair. Yes, I am blessed and so grateful that I had a wonderful partner who had the insight and awareness Mm -hmm. to point out, like you said, 
this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And to have a frame around what's happening and then realizing there's help for this. That's everything. And that is what the mental health field can do. As I started to apply that with the support of my partner, my family and friends, because we cannot do it alone in a vacuum. That's helpful to understand. And nor should um, we, I, I, right? <laughs> correct. We can't do it alone. And we're not designed to do it alone. We're wired to be in small tribes. We're designed to be around other people and to share our suffering. One of my favorite books is Tribe by Sebastian Younger. He was embedded with a platoon of Marines in Afghanistan, experienced the same trauma that they did. And what he found is that when they were together in their tribe, they felt okay. When they returned home and went back to their respective states, they maybe left the military, they were more isolated from their tribe. They started to struggle a lot more because they felt alone in their suffering and their family members may not be in a place of understanding. Right. They want to help, but they don't understand. So it causes a disconnect. Being at war is trauma. There's yes. that bonding and that understanding. You go back home to your family that's not had that experience. I believe that it would be hard for them to have full empathy and understand. Yes, and that can cause frustration, confusion between the family dynamics. And you said it well. There's a bonding that happened, a very tight bond, and you go from having that to not having it. We're seeing a lot of veterans struggle with not having the tribe available to them, the bond that they had with their brothers and sisters, and that can cause further suffering. This is where mental health groups can be helpful mm -hmm. because that shared experience, these underlying symptoms that are similar, we can discuss it. We can share it. You don't feel alone. Mm -hmm. That can start the healing process, that vulnerability of sharing. And it's a day-to-day -day practice. Mm -hmm. I still maintain my mental health through meditation, through mindfulness, through yoga, through aerobic exercise, therapeutic massages. I don't self-medicate. I make time for friends and family. I try to journal. I continue to grow and learn because everything is ever evolving. What we know now will probably be different in five years and 10 years. Especially when it comes to mental health. We're learning, I think, more in the last 10, 15 years than we have ever in history. It is an exciting time to keep up to date with all that and start to really understand the physiology of being human. Yes, the human condition, mm -hmm. the suffering that we all experience from time to time. And it's okay. I really like this quote, it's okay not to be okay. And we will experience times when we're not okay. Now, do we respond in a healthy way where we start to take care of ourselves or maybe ask for help, you know, maybe go to that program or show up to your therapist's office? Or do we start to beat ourselves up and thinking there's something wrong with us because mm -hmm. we're going through a rough patch or we're experiencing a setback or some suffering? That's where the line is. Can we connect with our kindness and compassion toward ourselves? when we are going through some difficulties. We've come a long way in being able to identify PTSD. What I'm hearing is that there's still a lack in the system. You can't just train a soldier. You've got to be able to also teach them how to turn that off. And I think yes. that's equally as important if we're going to thrive as a society, because there's yes. dysfunction that happens after a person's been in combat. 
like you said, there's a lot of training that happens, but there's no debrief or decompression time for veterans, for soldiers, for Marines, for sailors, etc. It's a broken system. It is. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The VA healthcare has a lot of issues, a lot of bureaucracy. The system is fairly broken. It's improving slowly, but I think we need to get better with the messaging. I agree. Of, there's a lot of help. There's a lot of success stories and you can change and you can live differently mm -hmm. um, and you can heal from trauma. And healing is not the absence of having a nightmare. Healing is not the absence of suffering or having symptoms. It's a different relationship with your symptoms, with your suffering, with the nightmares, with the setbacks. Yeah. You see, I can connect with my loved ones. I can talk to my partner. I can maybe take time to decompress, mm -hmm. reflect what's going on. What do I need? That's right. Collectively, we've gone through a level of PTSD with COVID. I mean, it has affected, I can imagine, every single person on this planet in some way. I think it's more important than ever to have that self-compassion and still be looking for help in ways to ease the stress. Yes, we've all experienced a great deal of chronic stress with COVID. And there's a collective grief that's happening with the amount of Americans that have passed away, changes in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. There's these repetitive patterns that I keep seeing in my mental health program with sleep difficulties specifically, and how a lack of sleep can be extremely detrimental to our mental health. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't take long before an individual can start hallucinating from lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. I think it's about three to four days and you can start to have some psychotic symptoms. Why do you think that is? Routines have been disrupted. That affects our sleep. I think it's helpful to create some predictability and stress management techniques throughout the day can also help. It's gone on for so long at this point. Personally, like I kind of forget that it's still humming in the back of my mind. And understanding the impact that that's having on me and continuously upping my self-care and not letting it slide. Because I've noticed that if I let it slide and put my tools on the shelf and don't use them day to day, that's when I start getting more anxious. I do believe it's a daily practice. And it's not like you're healed and you arrive and you're done. I keep learning and using more tools to maintain yeah, so that balance. Yes, it's, it is a daily practice and looking at it that way. There are times where I may not feel like doing A, B, or C. We're human, and that's the case. Just do something small. Even the act of thinking about doing something toward yourself is helpful. Connecting with gratitude, going outside for 15 minutes instead of the half-hour walk. Right? Just any small act of self-care is a healthy scenario that you're creating for yourself and you're sending your body and mind that act of love and care. That is the practice. Sometimes we may not do as much as we'd like to and then feel guilty about it. And that can keep us from participating the next day and the next day. Mm -hmm. I teach mindfulness quite a bit in the mental health program I work and also in the community here on Cape Cod. And people come up to me often and say, well, how often should I practice? Should I do like an hour? Do I need to do this every day? And what I say is just do five minutes first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. That's it. If you like what you feel, if it works for you, you will start to do it more. I like that approach. Yeah. Yeah. It's not rigid. Um, That's what I'm hearing from you. 
Yes, it's not rigid. It's available to everyone. There are no barriers. And how you feel will give you the motivation to repeat it again. Mm -hmm. And that's what my meditation teacher taught me. Mm -hmm. Now it's a part of my everyday life. People sometimes make a mistake of trying to go all in right away. I'm going to do two hours of exercise or I'm going to do an hour of meditation every day. If you've never done a 20-minute walk every day, why would you do a 45-minute walk? Your body's going to say, no, thank you. This isn't going to work. Right. And we can't underestimate how profound those few minutes can be because it's incremental. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what self-care is all about. Well, we all suffer. Pain is pain. It's the human condition. But I believe that we can alleviate some of that suffering with developing our inner resources and learning how to balance our health and well-being. And I'm so glad to hear that you're teaching others that it's okay to be vulnerable and to receive help. And that as a male and a Marine, you're now serving in a supportive role. Yes. It's not gender specific. And mental health professionals in particular, there's this caretaker role that happens. There has been women predominantly in caretaker roles in the past, but I think now we're shifting the dynamics and now more than ever, men are realizing that they also can benefit from mental health services. Now men are working in mental health and men feel more comfortable talking maybe to another man that has shown some vulnerability, but still is seen as a man. There is no mold anymore. All the molds have been broken. Mm -hmm. Which I think is a great thing. It's absolutely a great thing. And the potential for a man to be working with a male therapist, again, is to see that modeling, that this is what it can look like. And that it's being intelligent about our internal processes. Emotional intelligence is a thing and it's extremely important. And I'm glad you bring that up. I'm in an MBA program at Boston University. And this semester, we spent four weeks on emotional intelligence because now it's seen as a higher marker of success, both in business and personal life than IQ. I agree. Some of the most effective leaders have a high EQ, emotional quotient. It's truly something that can take you far, not only in your personal life, but in your professional life and your relationships with yourself, knowing how to respond to your emotions moment to moment, how to identify what's happening, how to be kind and compassionate and show empathy towards others. Emotional intelligence is something that should be taught from elementary school all the way through high school. We as a society can start to understand that Every human has their battle that they're fighting. Mm -hmm. And if we show kindness and empathy towards one another, we can start to live more in unison as a community instead of a fragmented society that we're seeing now. Mm -hmm. And that happens on a personal level and then in our partnerships and the way that we parent, it happens everywhere, right? If we're more focused on self-healing, it has an effect that ripples out. And that's one of the reasons why I keep talking about mental health and bringing these topics up in a lot of different directions, because my aim is to educate the public that all of this is okay. It's okay to ask your friend how they're really doing and to get into the messiness of life, because honestly, it's there. Whether we ignore it or accept it, it's happening. 
Most people that I talk to generally in the community Mm -hmm. don't really understand connecting life events or something that's happened to them or a loved one and how they would end up in a place working with an occupational therapist. Can you bridge that gap? Yes. Think of how mental health has to work in unison with your physical health for us to function in our everyday life. Now, once your mental health deteriorates in some way, maybe there was a big change in your life, uh, a death of a loved one. Maybe there's an underlying psychosis that has been triggered by an environmental factor. When our mental illness interferes with our functioning, then it becomes a huge problem. Mm-hmm. And that's more common than we like to talk about. Even the word mental illness, a lot of people don't want to use that. Maybe your parent dies. Right. And there's this grieving process and you may not know what to do and become dysfunctional, just can't get through the day. It's knowing, I think that there's help for that. And most of us don't know that. Like it doesn't have to be debilitating for months or maybe even a year. Yes. And that is when it's imperative that we reach out, ask for help because there are professionals out there ready to help you. And it's what we do. We see it every day. The individual who may not be showering, leaving their bed, leaving the home, eating because they're so grief stricken or their depression is so debilitating, or they have an extreme panic disorder and they're not leaving their room. Now there's help for these ailments like a partial hospital program, a day program, a therapist, they can bridge that gap between dysfunction and function. And it happens slowly. Nevertheless, you can get to a place where you're thriving again, you have vitality, and you're feeling empowered to participate in your everyday life. Mm -hmm. It's about reaching in and being vulnerable. We are not taught how to be vulnerable, how to deal with our suffering, Asking for help sometimes is seen as a sign of weakness. And that can be detrimental in the long term because an individual may be less likely to reach out for help and suffer in silence. And we know that depression wants to get you alone. And eventually what it wants to do is keep you from functioning in your everyday life. And we have to break through that by asking for help. There are so many avenues to help people get back to participating in their everyday life. It all starts with the awareness of, I need help. I like to make this connection. If you broke your leg, more than likely you're going to go and seek help. In this situation, if you're having a brain health issue and a nervous system issue, I believe it should be seen the same way. You're needing assistance to get your brain in a healthy place again. But there's so much stigma there because we attach that somehow it's a character flaw or we're weak or there's something wrong with who we are as a human being. And that's just not the case. That's not real. Right. And I am a big fan of the comparison of mental health and physical health. Mm -hmm. Yes. When we have a physical ailment, nobody hesitates to go to the emergency room or to seek help for that. However, the misunderstanding of mental health and our emotions causes a stigma. It takes the pressure off the individual. It's like having that broken leg. Okay, this is the x-ray. 
right? This is the fracture. We're going to cast it. And these are the things you need to do. Go to physical therapy, do your exercises at home, and then you will heal. You will get better. Mental health, not different. Here's Hmm. what you have, PTSD. These are the symptoms you're experiencing. These are the things that we know work. And try to apply these to your everyday life. I think it's getting better. That's the good news. There's more information. There are more programs. There are more therapists available now than ever before. However, it's an uphill battle because there's still a lack of general understanding of what mental health is, how to seek help for it. And it is not a character flaw. doesn't mean you're weak if you need to get your mental health back in order. It's part of our overall health. There is no disconnect. Our mental health is tied to our physical health and vice versa. Once we see a person as a whole person, then we can treat whatever the ailment is, no matter if it's physical or mental. Mm -hmm. If you could go back in time and tell your 17-year-old self the wisdom that you have now, what would you share that would have helped that journey be easier? If you suffer in silence, it can be detrimental in many ways. Vulnerability is a sign of courage. It's okay to ask for help when you need to. It's okay to talk about things. And once you connect with vulnerability, that can be the starting point of health and wellness, of success, of love, of acceptance. And that can take you everywhere. And that's what I would say to my 17-year-old self. Awesome. I feel so privileged to be in this place where I can help others. And I can be an individual that's looked at as, oh, let me reach out to Manny because he works in mental health Mm -hmm. and I welcome it. It all started from me showing up to therapy Mm -hmm. and realizing that I need help. Well, I'm so glad that we met. And even though, yeah, it has taken many times for us to get to this interview. It was well worth it. And I think that the listeners can gain a lot. I appreciate you, all the work that you're doing. And it's a tremendous help to a lot of people. And that's important. Thank you very much. That that means a lot. Grateful for our connection. You make it easy. This is great. Let's do it again sometime. And and thank you for all the important work you do and for getting this message out. I want to take a moment to talk about Sebastian Younger's book, Tribe, on homecoming and belonging. We have a strong instinct to belong to small groups defined by clear purpose and understanding. Combat veterans who come home miss the incredibly intimate bonds of platoon life. The loss of closeness that comes at the end of deployment may explain the high rates of post-traumatic stress disorder suffered by military veterans. Combining history, psychology, and anthropology, this book explores what we can learn from tribal societies about loyalty, belonging, and the eternal human quest for meaning. Tribe explains why we're stronger when we come together. To purchase this book titled Tribe, go to yourtruthreveal.com slash store. For more learning, download free guidance on my website, yourtruthreveal.com slash listen. Please subscribe and add a rating and review at Your Truth Revealed on Apple iTunes. There are also great resources in the show notes. Tune in for episode 41. Personal trainer and nutrition specialist Zach Rutledge explores his personal story with depression and how he overcomes it. 
Medication and therapy are the West's gifts to the world. The East's gifts are yoga and martial arts. We tend to fall into these camps. A lot of people I know, they are hard science, Mayo Clinic, <laughs> mainstream. I work at a yoga studio where they're all about the alternative treatments. When really, it's one world. Take the best of both and meld them together. I'm Erica Marcoux. Thanks for listening. 